Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for another week here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. Great to have you with us, Andrew Patterson, along with the CTO, Michael Remus. And uh, wow, what a weekend. Lots to get to on uh, the local sports scene. Big win for the Jets Saturday night. What of an ugly performance for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, particularly at the QB position. We'll discuss Sean McGuire's outing on Saturday, uh, as well as the outlook going into the final regular season game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers before they enjoy a bye week and get ready to host either Calgary or Saskatchewan in the December 5th Western Final. Uh, Hammer's going to join us. Jeff was in Montreal covering the game on the weekend, still out east, and then he is going to be traveling out to Edmonton covering these games for the Winnipeg Jets on the road after Tuesday's game here against the Edmonton Oilers. So we get to some bomber talk. We get to some Jeff talk, Jet talk as well with Jeff Hamilton. And I am hoping that in the second hour of the program, we'll be able to have a, a good friend of mine, Stephen Sandor, who's covering Team Canada and the Canadian men's national team in Edmonton as they get ready to take on the Mexicans tomorrow and continue their push to qualify for the World Cup for the first time since 1986. So uh, we have a lot to get to. Oh, by the way, the Chiefs are back. Pat Mahomes looked like Pat Mahomes last night. We'll talk a little NFL as well. Uh, all coming up over the course of the program. Do want to give a quick thank you and shout out to all of our great sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk daily happen every day, including our newest sponsor, Vita Health Fresh Market, with seven locations in Winnipeg. The great folks over at Culligan Water, Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery, our friends at Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and of course, Canadian Club. Featuring that uh, new Canadian Club Chronicles 44, which is available in Manitoba in very limited quantities. And of course, Chris and the gang over at Cool Bet Canada. Big one tonight in Monday Night Football. The Lockshaw Partner Parlay is two-thirds of the way there. We need the Rams. I know there's lots of you that are uh, on that as well. So um, we'll get to that with some NFL talk a little bit later on. But uh, without further ado, let's get Remus in here and get this show on the road as I... Uh, Welcome everyone into the live chat with us that are watching on YouTube. And of course, for people listening a little later on, thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. Remo, what's going on? Uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm in pain, uh, back pain, a lot of shoveling on the weekend. I did did a Friday. First of all, I went and bought new shovels. Okay. Shout out to Paul Edmonds. Him and I uh, were discussing the benefits of an aluminum shovel and I was able to track a couple down. Way better for getting getting the ice out of the way. And shoveled Friday. I don't, I don't have a driveway, so just like the walkway. But I had to do it again yesterday. So I'm sure there's some other people much more sore than me, but still still sore. And I did get out to a couple stores on the weekend. I don't want to get into this too much, but people are still playing Christmas music or are playing it now. It's November 15th. U.S. Thanksgiving needs to be the cutoff or December one. It's November fifteenth. Too early for people Christmas are, music. People are so geeked for Christmas this year. Yeah, I I was talking to a girl on the weekend. She's had her Christmas tree up. Hell, Dave McCarthy had his Christmas tree yeah. up before Remembrance Day. Like yeah. before Remembrance Day is crazy. I mean, I guess if you want to do it on the twelfth, have at her. 
but um, too early. You know, I don't hey, need to hear it. Uh, we, we went from fall, beautiful weather, what, eight days ago with that 15, 16 degree day and weekend when the Bombers were playing at home to full fledged winter right now in Winnipeg. And yes. I will tell you somewhat funny um, yesterday. I went out in the afternoon uh, to watch the NFL. Figured, oh, I'll have a fun afternoon and then I'll take it easy in the evening. I'll focus on the game at home, Chiefs Raiders, and then be ready for a great day. Well, the first part of the plan was executed perfectly. Had a great, great afternoon watching the games. Made it home in time to see that my entire building was experiencing a power outage, at which point I did a complete 180 and went right back to uh, one of the local haunts to uh, see the game last night. So um, power restored at about 5.30 in the morning. Shout out to the Manitoba Hydro guys who got it done. Uh, but we are here. We are ready to go, Remus. And uh, as I mentioned, we've got so much to get to. Now, we will talk a lot of Bombers and Jets with Jeff Hamilton coming up a little bit later on. We are also hoping um, to hear from Coach Paul Maurice later on. And if we've got that ready, we'll do that after we speak with Jeff Hamilton. Um, but listen, we'll get to the Bombers in a second, Reem. Um, but let's start off with the guy that really deserves. I've been so happy for this guy and what an impact he made. Dylan DeMello's first goal as a Winnipeg Jet took, I think they said, or he hadn't scored in 139 games. Anyways, he'd never scored a man. Did he pick a good time to pop his first one for the Winnipeg Jets late in the third period, trailing 2-1. DeMello shorthanded, puts it through the legs of Cal Pedersen allowing the Winnipeg Jets to salvage at least a point, getting to three-on-three three overtime. Maurice throws three forwards out there. Nikolai Ehlers to Mark Shifley, an absolute laser into the top corner. Shifley gets the monkey off his back and gets a big two points for the Winnipeg Jets in a game that, uh, honestly, if Dylan DeMello doesn't uh, do what he did while killing a penalty, I think we're talking about a pretty disappointing Saturday night home regulation loss. That being said, Two points in the books, and now the Jets get ready for a home-and-home series against the Edmonton Oilers. What do you think about Saturday's game? Yeah, I think it was, you know, another rough start. You know, we talked about, uh, I thought Tuesday's game, you know, was a great game for the Jets. They lost in overtime to St. Louis. Thursday, you know, came out a little flat, but really picked it up in the second again over the Sharks. And Saturday, I don't know, they didn't have a, I I was starting to think, Huss, that, you know, the Jets need to get out on the road. They've been home for too long. Get out of this Get out of the snow. But uh, <laughs> they they hung in there to their credit. I mean, Connor Hellbuck's been great since coming back. I mean, we did see some line juggling, and we can get to today's lines shortly. But, you know, stayed in the fight. You just need one shot. They weren't out of it, even though it wasn't their best game. And I, it was some great, great vision by Andrew Kopas on that zone entry on the penalty kill. You know, went off to the right, opened up, found DeMello, who scored his first goal as a Jet, first since March 2019, bit shades of Ron Hainsey going uh, goalless. I don't know. They get to overtime. Uh, pretty awesome three-on-three. Three. You know the Jets with their talent. They should be able to take on anyone. And, I mean, Mark Shifley, we've been harping on him all year. Zero goals. Also zero goals for Blake Wheeler. But Shifley, you know, you think this guy who's got such an excellent shot should have at least a goal. Oh, you're back. Um, but I was just saying, yeah, has that Mark Shifley goal in overtime. I mean, that's a goal. Uh, I mean, that's what you, my reaction to that goal was like what Line A used to do one time. <laughs> or I've made a joke, you know, the Tim Toolman Taylor. Like, you see that, the release on that shot, just like, oh, 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 oh. like, 
Man, I mean, first of all, Ehlers couldn't have put that puck more uh, on a tee. Um, it was in the perfect spot, and Shifley, like, went full board on that thing. He teed that thing up like he's going to be teeing up balls at Southwood at the Manitoba Open in 2022. Nice uh, segue. We'll, nice we'll segue. But, yeah, P- Pat uh, and Chad says that OT win made up for the loss against St. Louis. And, I mean, you got to win these games. I mean, we said, you know, after they lost to St. Louis that they're going to win a game in the future that they didn't necessarily deserve, and this was a game they hung around, they won, and quietly has the Jets, you know, they, we can all agree they haven't, you know, I don't think they've played a complete game of hockey. Maybe the one that's against St. Louis, but they didn't win. But their record now in the Central, second in the Central, 8-3-3. Three, and three, And I don't think they're clicking on all cylinders here. So I think well, it's no, cool. they're still trying to find yeah. line combinations that yeah. are, you know, sort of clicking some interesting looks, uh, looks today. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all about getting points right now. And I mean, that's why that DeMello goal was so big. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, because you know, they were frustrated. I mean, but man, they came out, had that great start, got a goal. It was 5 nothing in shots for the Winnipeg Jets um, early in the first period. And then, you know, late into the second period at one point, it was like 24-11. I mean, the game completely flipped in the favor of the Kings. I mean, they had some really good chances. I thought Connor Hellebuck made some great saves. And... um you know, they, they, the Jets were so frustrated in the offensive zone. I mean, Remo, I, I'm trying to think of a time in that second period where Winnipeg had the puck in the L.A. zone more than three feet from the boards. I mean, they just got pushed outside. And uh, I think that was a big reason why you saw a different look of the lines in that third period, uh, which, of course, included Nikolai Ehlers along with Shifley and Andrew Kopp and Blake Wheeler popping on the line um, with Svechnikov going down to play with Lowry along with Connor and Dubois. And um, I certainly think the Jets were better in the third period, but, you know, they didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't until that shorthanded goal by Dylan DeMello made it happen. Now, Blaine Vero is saying, hey, Hustler, how much is DeMello paying you to pump his tires? Absolutely nothing. Um, but listen, when, you, when you're a stay-at-home defenseman that never scores and you score late in the third period shorthanded to get your team to overtime and then they get two points... You definitely deserve a little dap. We've been waiting it for for a while. So, uh, and, you know, to be honest, I, I liked his game, and, and I thought Logan Stanley had a strong game too. I think he had a couple of assists. Um, you know, and that's important right now, Raymond. I think it was difficult for those guys, especially when they were running seven defensemen um, throughout. And listen, Maurice had said that there were some things that Nate Beaulieu was doing well that uh, he wanted to help out, certainly on the PK. But I just think that that was that's difficult for you know, players to be playing with different guys often in shifts and whatnot. So um, overall, I will say this. um, That was a nice contribution from a player like Dylan DeMello, um, you know, who doesn't get a lot of the accolades. um, And that sort of comes with the territory. That is what the job is. But uh, tell you what, that was a massive, massive goal. And I think we'll look back at a pretty important two points for the Winnipeg Jets that certainly could have been zero if that didn't happen late in the third. Yeah, I mean, the Kings came in with this huge win streak. And we, you know, we're talking about how well the, uh, the California teams are playing. Anaheim, we'll get to them later. They're they're pretty hot, too. So uh, that was a big win for the Jets. Um, you know, they didn't play play their best. They hung in there. As you said, DeMello, you got a goal from an unlikely hero, got the helmet. And uh, beautiful, just I got to watch this overtime winner again, Mark Schaefer. With <laughs> I mean, we had a great call from uh, Harn Ryan Singh on, on the— 
on the winter too on TV. I don't know if you were you saw the call on TV, but no, I was he, at the game. So, he did uh, his. Uh, I did my own call. He did his sing song. Uh, you know, Mark. Mark. He was going. It felt like I was watching the playoffs Shall again. Yeah, where the Jets scored all the OT winners <laughs> against uh, against the Oilers. I do want to give a shout out to uh, one thing. There was a pretty. Um, uh, Troy Westwood put it best on Twitter. We called it a pure dick move by Brandon Lemieux. Oh, uh, he's t- such a weasel. Taking a, I mean, that's, I, I don't think there's any other way to say it it's a, as pure dick move. I mean, it's after a whistle. Ehlers is just standing there. Lemieux's going to the bench. And Lemieux, like, turns and kicks a skate out into Ehlers' leg. I mean, Ehlers is obviously fine. Maybe he tried to sell it a bit. I mean, he assisted on the OT winner, but again, that was that is the definition, just unnecessary play, trying to hurt a guy. Of course, you know, player safety doesn't do anything. Of course, the penalty isn't called. I mean, clearly don't well, care. Well, that was the second incident. I mean, that garbage yeah. that he did taking a run at Svetch and then trying to get him to fight, and then all of a sudden not being as uh, much in the mood for scrapping when Brandon Dillon and a couple of Adam Lowry showed up a little bit later on, but... uh I mean, hey, he's the guy that you love to hate if he's on your team. I did have some conversation. I'll be interested to know what people have to say in the chat. Uh, as much as I think anyone that was at that game walked out saying, MF, Brendan Lemieux, uh, would you want to have him on your team? Now, he was on this team. No. He got traded. We all, we all know about that. But, you know, there is a spot, I guess, in some rosters for a player like that. Um, I mean, I don't think you have to be as cheap and and frankly stupid as Lemieux is sometimes, um, which, you know, puts his team at a deficit. But I don't mind a guy that plays with an edge like that. Although um, that being said, I'm certainly not pumping to uh, get a Brendan Lemieux back here. I think what the Jets are doing right now, they're looking pretty good, especially in that bottom six. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Harkins, uh, Svechnikov now, uh, Adam Lowry. So if you want to go over the lines, but yeah, I just wanted to bring up that Brandon. I did tweet out the video and got of a lot of reaction because it really wasn't talked about. I mean, I thought it was pretty dirty, dirty play. And again, like after the whistle, Eagles just standing there and you go and take out his knee or try to like clearly. I yeah, don't know. T. Well, isn't Brendan Lemieux Claude's son? Makes sense. Yes, he absolutely yeah. uh, is the, uh, <laughs> is it? Um, so I don't know. I mean, bottom line is on that, that was a a cheap play by Lemieux. They're not going to see the Kings again this season unless somehow um, these teams play in the playoffs. Um, and really, in a lot of ways, the the Jets are kind of done with those California teams. It's been a weird schedule to start off, you know, with the Ducks, Sharks, and Kings being so much of the first, what, 14 games of the year. Um, but that's why it was important to get that two points. And Jets 2-0 and against the Kings. I mean, let's face it. I didn't have high expectations for the Kings, Remus, but we saw the way they played. They really frustrated Winnipeg, and I think we sort of saw on Saturday night the reason why why this team had won seven in a row and was the hottest team in the NHL coming into Canada Life Center on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, people are asking me, like, who's who's on the Kings? How are they doing so well? Drew Doughty's hurt. I mean, Anzi Kopitar is still doing his thing. They got Arvidsson. Um, Adrian Kempe's like, he's kind of quietly having a breakout season. So, um, and I guess they've been getting solid goal today. I mean, they got a plus five goal differential, not, not a fluke, eight, five and two. And I know the Pacific division, um, looking better than we thought, especially, you know, Colorado and Dallas, uh, off to slow starts and Dallas did have a, uh, players only meeting over yes, the weekend. First of the season, closed door, players only. And I don't want to get into, I don't want to get into like around the league. I mean, 
talk about disappointing teams. Uh, Vancouver. I've really just enjoyed every time Vancouver plays the anger coming out of their oh. social media. But um, as far as the Jets go, I mean, they're in a, in a pretty good spot, and they did uh, hit the ice today um, for, for a skate here, getting ready for, uh, what, a couple against Edmonton. Yeah, well, let's pull the lines up because um, we kind of saw things at practice today that were um, pretty similar as to how things ended on Saturday night. Um, but uh, but there was a bunch of different looks. I mean, essentially, Maurice changed the, the the lines, at least up at the top, each period. I mean, it started off with Shifley and Wheeler with Nikolai Ehlers. That got switched up in the second period. Uh, and then when the third period, it was actually Blake Wheeler that was going and skating alongside 80 and 81. Um, and you saw Cop. Shifley and Ehlers and I would love to see that line get a little bit of run for the next couple of games and, and as we all know Remus this next opportunity going up against the Edmonton Oilers who are 11 and 3 first place in the Pacific Division and with the most points in the Western Conference an amazing test two teams that are quite familiar with each other from last year in the North Division and of course the four game sweep in the playoffs um, I've been looking forward to these games well, really, since the schedule came out, I think there'll be uh, a lot of motivation on the Edmonton side to try to get one over on the Jets. And to be honest, with the way Edmonton has played so far, I mean, this is about as good of a test as you'll get right now in the West. And uh, the Jets are going to do it at home tomorrow to finish up what's already been a relatively successful homestand and then get out for a back-to-back game. But they started off Thursday night in Edmonton against the Oilers to uh, finish up the quick home-and-home. Yeah, and just uh, some clarifications coming through in chat. The Jets do play the Kings uh, on April April second. Thanks, uh, mm. thanks, Chad, for pointing that one out. Yeah, um, and just for the Jets, yeah, Paul Stasny didn't practice today. Sounds like he's not going to be a player. Um, they're just going to keep rocking what they were rocking. Tony Nato took a stick. Tony Nato. Tony Nato. Sorry, Tony Nato. Yes, took <laughs> stick to the teeth and lost a couple of uh, chiclets. So. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what uh, what's up with him. But the Oilers—they've been on this road trip. They actually lost uh, against Buffalo on Friday. That was the second game of a back-to-back. I mean, they've been putting up what five goals on Boston, five goals against St. Louis yesterday. So I think the key against Edmonton is going to be stay out of the box. We know the Jets' penalty kill hasn't been the best this year, and the Oilers' power play has been out of this world. So. Um, you know, oh. m- maybe they want want revenge. I mean, Connor McDavid. I looked at daily faceoff like Oilers power play. They don't have a power play too. It's just put McDavid and Drysaitel on <laughs> for the duration of the power play, and maybe switch up Barry and Nurse. So uh, they don't usually take the full two minutes, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> they don't exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And shout out to Connor McDavid. He did score his six uh, hundredth point, uh, among the fastest players to hit the milestone. So. Um, not, not quite, of course, not the fastest, but, uh, pretty damn, damn quick. So, well, it's uh, funny you say that because mm -hmm. Jason Greger, um, fired out a tweet to myself and Dustin Nielsen this morning, uh, when they were talking about McDavid, McDavid just hitting 600. Uh, and you know, Dusty said there's a decent chance he hits 700, uh, later this season. Mm -hmm. And Greger says McDavid needed 53 games to go from 500 to 600 points. Getting to 700 this year with 68 games remaining seems like a lock. You and Hustlerama can use that one, obviously making a little um, fun with the lock shop name. But, um, I mean, he is, there's McDavid, and then there's everybody else. Although, 
maybe the next guy right now in the NHL is his teammate in Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, I know he can't crack above number five in the uh, in the top players, and I know they've put Austin Matthews on top of that, but um, and maybe it's unfair for for Leon because you know he has this incredible superstar, the best player in the world, playing often on his line. But I'll tell you what, Leon Dreisaitl in his own right is absolutely one of the top players in the league. And um, right now, he's the guy, the only guy with more goals than Alex Ovechkin right now is, uh, lo and behold, Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, I mean, Leon Dreisaitl is leading the league in points. He's got 31. McDavid has 27. So, I mean, here we are talking about McDavid. And uh, it has actually been Dreisaitl the last couple of games against Boston. Um, he scored twice in the third period, uh, leading them after they were down and looking kind of flat. And, you know, they've played together. They've played a part. They're kind of mixing them up. I know this because I keep playing McDavid on uh, on DraftKings. But, you know, I mean, he's he's a big guy. He can shoot, um, you know, a bit of a different player than McDavid. But, again, just he's got more points, and he's been, been awesome too. And doesn't, as you said, doesn't get a lot of the same accolades as McDavid, even though he was, like, was he not Hart Trophy winner a couple years ago? Yeah, and so, score 50. And I mean, everyone's like, oh, he's only doing it because of McDavid, and I, I don't think that that's the case. No, it isn't. Uh, Dreisaitl leads the NHL with 15 goals. Ovi's at 12. And then our guy Kyle Connor, along with Chris Kreider yeah. and Troy Terry. Well, Chris Kreider with 11 goals. That was a bit of a surprise when I took a look at it. And how, how's this? McDavid, Nuge, and Dreisaitl, well, 1-1 one, one, and 3 Top three assists in the league, 17 for Nugent McDavid and 16 for Dreisaitl. Uh, the Jets' defense is going to definitely get tested this week against the Edmonton uh, Oilers. Will be will we be seeing the Jets tweet out Neil Pionk living rent free in McDavid? Will anyone be retweeting that? And I'll bring it up. Because <laughs> that was pretty rent bold. Free. That rent, was pretty that's bold. the boldest tweet that the Jets' social media account has ever ever put out. Yes, I, I agree, hundred percent. And thankfully, the Jets swept McDavid. Sorry, swept the Oilers, and um, Neil Pionk was able. To, they were able to shut him down. You know, maybe I think the refs not calling any penalties at all against. You know, McDavid drew zero penalties that series somehow. But hey, that's how they were calling it, and uh, the Jets and the Jets won. But that tweet, uh, I got to find it the original, the original one. But it was. That was, a, that was a ballsy move, uh, calling out the best player in the league. No, it uh, <laughs> it certainly was. I'm just looking at remote um, shorthanded goals. Dylan DeMello leading the league with one, tied with everybody else that scored a shorthanded oh, really? goal so far this season. No one has two. <laughs> the list has Rasmus Asplund, Cam Atkinson, Barbashev, Cogliano, JT Comfer, all with one. So let's let's boost Dylan up, Dylan DeMello up to the top. Um, and I mean, man, you just go through these leaders right now. There's a lot of Euler players on there. And you know what's interesting, too? Mike Smith's been hurt. And I'll tell you what, Mikko Koskinen has actually been getting the job done so far for Edmonton. Oh, here's the tweet. Rent, <laughs> rent free. That's going to trigger so many people uh, that I'm... are pounding the drum that McDavid needs to draw more penalties. Like yes. the refs don't the refs don't call him. <laughs> I'm just going to retweet it. Thought this would be a good week to RT. <laughs> it disturber. Love it. Uh, I love it.
Um, yeah. So listen, uh, we'll get to more of the Jets coming up. Um, do you have the uh, the lines there? Why don't we uh, pull those up actually quickly before we move on? We'll get to some bomber talk to uh, start off the conversation oh, sure. with Hammer and then a little bit more on these games. Um, but as we mentioned, um, the uh, a bit of a change. Um, no Shifley and Wheeler together. And those guys have played so much. But And I know a lot of people harp on this. Um, you know, as far as the, the way things are looking, I, I'm here for Blake Wheeler playing with Dubois and Connor. Um, and there's no shot against Svetch. And, and, uh, Maurice said afterwards that, you know, it wasn't that, um, that Svechnikov wasn't playing well or wasn't getting it done, but he did like the look of, um, Svechnikov and Harkins playing with Lowry. Um, and I really think this will be big for Wheeler right now. And I, I, I haven't, you know, had a really an issue with the way he's played. I mean, they haven't had a lot of success and. Certainly, Maurice mentioned that those two were minus two after those first couple goals. I know some people weren't too pleased with Mark Shifley's uh, defensive awareness on the uh, the goal that um, had the rebound you know right in front of him. Then ended up putting the Kings up two to one. Um, but this is a great opportunity for Wheeler to get things going. And I'll tell you what, for Mark Shifley, I think we saw a glimpse of it in overtime. Um, it's exciting to think about Shifley playing with Nikolai Ehlers in that role. And uh, I would like to see the coach roll with this a little bit. Hey, listen, if it's going really badly against Edmonton, they have to change it up. The uh, the blender certainly will come out, um, but I'm here for it. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, that top six can do, uh, albeit not quite as balanced as we had with the, the three lines over the last couple of weeks, which uh, also, to be honest, I was quite a fan of. Everything changes when you've got a guy like Svechnikov playing and contributing on that top line. Um, just with the other players, you can do it. But I think they're sort of bulking up more on the top six. And they're definitely going to need it going up against a team like Edmonton because you know they're going to put a few pucks of their own in the net. Yeah, and you just funny. I saw some people online complaining about breaking up the Svechnikov, Dubois, Connor line, even in chat. People were like, you broke up uh, the best line. And you know, it's got, Money Puck has had uh, for expected goals that line – uh, among the best, in, you know, top five in the league. So I do think it is interesting to break it up, trying to get Wheeler going. And I think if you look at Wheeler's numbers, they're definitely not not as poor as last season. I mean, he was clearly hurt last year, and I think we can talk about this for a while, like why he was still given so many minutes, even though clearly not as effective. But um, we'll see how it goes, and I think they can always go back to it. But I like seeing, I like this cop Shifley Ehlers uh, Ehlers line. I think that's going to be intriguing. Um, Ehlers and Shafley, both great passers. You know, maybe Cop will be the finisher, but I mean, they all have great shots as well. So uh, I think that line is going to be the one to watch. Shafley got one. I think he's due for, uh, overdue for a couple more. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit, I shouldn't be surprised, but the amount, I'm just reading the chat right now and I saw a lot of things on social media, like people are going crazy that Svechnikov is not on that line anymore. I mean, guys, you know, he, he is a player that has played well, and he certainly has not looked out of place, and I think that they've done they've done well. But I, I think also if you saw that line in the third period with Blake Wheeler on it, um, I will make an argument that Blake Wheeler is probably a better fit on that line with those players for, you know, playing the sort of minutes and the sort of uh, matchups that they're going to be getting going forward. Um, listen, as you said, they can always go back to it. Um, but like, it's been nice what they've gotten out of Sveshnikov, but make no mistake about it. This has been driven by Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor right now. And to be honest, you could probably put just about anybody on there. And I don't think that the line would take a big, big hit. 
Um, but I also, there are going to be some other options for Svechnikov to play in more of a third role, a line role, along with Harkins and Adam Lowry, that if they're able to, you know, do what the coach wants, and that's more a, a strong defensive game, I think it just, it gives Maurice many more options to uh, to put Svechnikov in some other spots. Um, and again, we could probably be saying the same thing about Blake Wheeler, but I mean, for whatever reason, a lot of people given the captain heat right now, um, I, it's important for him to get going uh, and be able to contribute. And um, I'm here for it. So we'll, we'll see what happens. As I said, none of this is etched in stone right now, but uh, I don't think we should have massive freakout sessions um, because if you saw the game last night, they were going to change something. Nothing was working against the LA Kings. And from my perspective, things look better in the third period once they did make those changes. And that's why we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward. I already getting a lot of comments uh, retweeting that that rent-free uh, rent tweet. I just like, yeah, I feel like it would be a good week. So um, I don't think it's, I, I mean, it's, what is it, November 15th? Not going to get up in arms. I think it's curious. We'll see how it goes. And then we can overreact later. I'm not much yes. for the uh, big... Big overreactions. So Over, overreaction Monday is here. Usually it's just football, but now it's uh, it's everything. Uh, all that being said, Jeff Hamilton's going to come up in a couple minutes. Looking forward to that. Uh, before that, do want to thank our uh, newest sponsor, Vita Health Fresh Market, for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, this is a great local company that's been in business since 1936. If you can believe, 85 years of empowering people to lead healthy lives. Um, Vita Health Fresh Market is stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, vitamins, beauty products, all at great prices. With a great, knowledgeable staff that's trained on these products to help you get the right one for what you're looking for. Hey, November is Men's Health Month, and Vita Health carries products to support prostate, energy, libido, stress management, and more. And if you're into organic produce, local grass-fed meats, and a great grab-and-go deli, Vita Market salads and sandwiches are amazing. This is the store for you. Pop down and see them. Seven Winnipeg locations for Vita Health Fresh Market, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And you can also order online or do a little bit of shopping in advance at myvita.ca. Um, our friends, speaking of uh, healthy living and doing what's right for your body, you know, in addition to uh, the great stuff you can get at Vita Health, maybe the most important thing is water. Drinking enough water, staying hydrated. Just ask our good friend Ken Weeb. And, uh, you know, Ken is a fan of the uh, great folks over at Culligan Water, celebrating 65 years in business, family owned being the go-to people for water here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. They've got it all, water softeners and filters, whole home systems, drinking water systems for your home, and then bottled water coolers and bottle-free coolers, not to mention water delivery services citywide. Uh, and if you're looking, if you got water needs for your business, commercial and industrial water products and solutions as well. Best thing you can do, pop down and see them at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give them a call at 694-5180 or uh, check them out online at drinkculligan.com. And, well, the winter's here, folks. I've been telling you for a while. Donnie and the guys at Manitoba Battery are ready for it. Are you? Uh, if you're not, don't wait till it's minus 30 and you realize you need a new battery. Get ahead of it right now and get the best price on batteries in the city at Manitoba Battery. Just $89.50 picked up with Core Exchange at 
1026 Logan Avenue. Or if you want to save money, but also save the time, it'll deliver it to you within city limits anywhere for $109.50 with a $15 recycling rebate when the core is returned. Uh, pop down and see the maestro, the godfather ninja, all the boys down at Manitoba Battery. Uh, you can also follow them and find out everything they have outside of automotive batteries at manitobabattery.com or just give them a call at 204-783-8787. All right, lots to get to. We kind of started on the hockey. Let's get to some football and then some more Jets talk and welcome in Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Hammer, what's up? How was your weekend, uh, your weekend travels? Well, Huss, as is often the case, whenever you head to Montreal, you usually lead get there with a ton of energy and leave with uh, much less in the tank. So, um, <laughs> you know, ultimately, here we are after the trip. I didn't, as I was talking to you kind of off, off screen earlier before the show started, I'm in Ottawa now to see some family. So it's uh, settled down a little bit from uh, being in Montreal, which was a great weekend overall, as is always the case. Nice, nice. Um, all right, let's get to the Bombers right off the bat. Um, this game was about survival, um, resting some players, and seeing what Sean McGuire could do as the starting quarterback. Um, kind of hard to take much from this game other than protect Zach Caleros at all costs. Yeah, if we didn't understand, which I think we did, uh, just the importance that Zach Claros has to, to the Bombers organization and more, more specifically to their success in their goal of, of achieving back-to-back -back great cups, um, we saw, you know, we were reminded of that big time in, in what turned out to be a 28-14 loss to the Montreal Alouettes. The score seemed a lot closer um, than the game. I mean, you look at, you can certainly look at the points the Bombers scored. They were gift-wrapped, a, a, a gorgeous opportunity to start the game. Obviously, Montreal fumbling the ball and, and giving to, to the Bombers on, the I think, the 19-yard line. A few runs by Brady over. Oliveira later and they're in the end zone for a six nothing lead after Sergio Castillo missed the extra point the other seven points was on a two play 72 yard drive that lasted 50 seconds now I'm not trying to take away those you know those strikes to to uh, Kenny Lawler who made a terrific play on a 42 yard um, reception and then of course a 30 yard touchdown to Darvin Adams and that was that kind of summed up um, the Bombers attack I mean Sean McGuire making his first start since joining the Bombers in 2019 I mean you know, I, the conditions were not ideal. I mean, I think you got to start with that. Just the fact that, you know, the weather was, was brutal for most of the game. Um, obviously, the Bombers rested a number of players um, on both sides of the ball, but on offense, that included Stanley Bryan and Patrick Newfeld, two big pieces of the offensive line. Of course, Jamarcus Hardrick came back, but he exited the game at halftime. That was always the plan for him to get a little bit of action after missing three games. And um, so at one point, you had a two Eli and Jeff Gray as your tackles. I mean, you know, like, again, I'm not trying to build up the excuses here, but that's a major significant drop-off from a Stanley Bryan and Jamarcus Hardrick combo that Zach Caleros has been, for the most part, this season in his career here has, has been afforded. So all those things considered, the reality is, is Sean McGuire still had an opportunity and it was ugly. I mean, it was, I don't know how else you kind of explain it. I mean, the four interceptions is, is you know, three of which were in the final three drives of the game. I mean, those are, you know, I get it. He's trying to make plays there, but some of those were just, you know, ill-advised throws would be putting it lightly. So didn't get to see him much from him. A lot of those, you know, a lot of the time when he, and, and this is nothing to take away from the O-line either because, you know, he was under pressure on a, on a, on, on several 
dropbacks, but he also had time on plenty too. So, you know, I thought that they, you know, all things considered played okay as an O-line. Um, and then when, when Sean McGuire had time to throw more often than not, he was hitting the dirt, um, you know, yards before the receiver. Um, that seemed to be his issue, you know, for a guy who has kind of been heralded for the strength of his arm, you'd think maybe he'd be overthrowing guys. In this case, on more than a number of occasions, he was underthrowing them. So, yeah, I mean, reinforce the whole idea that Zach Claros needs to be safe. And that's, I think, the big storyline heading into this regular season debut this week in Calgary against the Stampeders. Yeah, well, I mean, let's get to that because we can talk about some of the other guys that were in and out, but specifically to the quarterback position. Um, do you expect Claros to start? Do you expect him to play a half? Will he play the entire game? Um, or will that just be kind of Mike O'Shea kind of feeling the way things are going in that game and um, making a decision based on uh, the game and maybe most importantly, how well the protection's holding up for the Bombers QB1? I think the plan this week is to insert some of those guys that were sidelined this week against Montreal. I mean, um, I think that's the reason why you saw as depleted a lineup as we saw this past week in you know against the Alouettes. And I think the plan, including with Zach Caleros, is to get him some kind of playing time. I don't think he's going to be playing the entire game. I think that would be you know, irresponsible on, on head coach Mike O'Shea and his staff. But at the same time, that's been the plan. And when he was asked after the game if things had changed given what you've seen – this past week, he said no. And I don't know if that was maybe because he hasn't necessarily explained his plan or spoke about it overly publicly, but um, he said no. So that tells me that Zach Claros is going to, is going to play sometime this, um, this sometime this week against Calgary. And as I wrote in my five takeaways, I think that's dumb. You know, I just think that is one of those things that, you know, I get having, you know, I get giving him some reps. I don't know what a half of football is going to do for him, uh, you know, two weeks before that West semifinal game versus no half of football and, you know, the long break. I just, we've seen, we saw Zach Claros come off a uh, buys playing well. We've seen him, you know, he, he isn't really known to drop in play. And I mean, he, this is a guy who stepped into the scene in 2019, having not played for what, a year and played well. So I just think that kind of evidence suggests that, um, you know, he he can he can manage whatever issues might come with the the rest versus rust situation. And the other thing too is, yeah, Calgary has nothing to play for thanks to Saskatchewan, you know, narrowing uh, a victory over the Elks to secure um, second second place in the in the West. Um, but they do have a lot to play for, and knowing that Zach Claros is the biggest obstacle in front of them for making the Great Cup. And if you're Calgary, you're sending the house all day long. Like it doesn't matter if they beat you long. You're sending the house to get hands, to get hits on Zach Caleros, you know, not cheaply, you know, but fairly to take him out. So, uh, you know, with those things in mind, I mean, that has to be Calgary's plan. I don't see what, you know, what else they would do or want to do. And, 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 you know, and if that's the case and you think it would be, there just doesn't make much sense to have him him play. I mean, you will have a if you do have a better O line, it probably won't be as as big of an issue. Um, but I just can't see him getting any kind of significant play um, without you know. I just don't see it outweighing the the risk of of him getting injured. Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny that we're having this conversation now after Maguire goes and throws four picks. I mean, if Maguire wouldn't had a phenomenal game. You know, or then we saying, well, no, you can play Zach because you've got a backup that, you know, can maybe get the job done. I mean, to me, nothing that happened on the weekend changes anything about the Bombers situation going into this, you know, final game. And of course, the 5th of December. Um, and, and I and I do understand you probably don't want a guy just taking off a month before a game. 
Um, but that's why I think it's very, very much up in the air. I mean, and maybe it's only a few drives, but I mean, you know, you're playing in the routine, you're in practice, you're going on the trip, all those things that didn't happen this week to try to maintain some semblance of routine. But I don't think for a second, if all of a sudden, you know, the O-line isn't holding up and Calgary's getting to him, I don't think for a second that Zach Caleros will be out there longer than, uh, well, longer than necessary, I think, in the minds of the fans, but most importantly, the mind of the head coach that knows that their chances ride on that guy behind center. 100%. And I mean, and that's the thing. So, you know, I, I make the point, I make the comment of, okay, well, what would Calgary's plan be to send the house to put mass pressure to, to blitz nonstop to get him? Well, maybe the Bombers plan is, is not about winning the game and it's about getting him those touches. And so maybe it's, it's about, you know, easy passes, quick passes, just kind of getting him that feel behind center. So like you mentioned, you know, other people will make the argument and it's a fair argument. It's the rest versus Russ argument that if he's taking an entire month off, you know, is he going to be affected? I still don't think that would be the case, but if they are going to play him, you know, they obviously, they obviously understand like this isn't news to them. Um, the potential damage that it could be done if he, if he gets hurt or if he, you know, gets whatever banged up. Um, but maybe you, maybe you create a game plan that, that, allows you to have him be safe upright in that pocket get that feeling with his receivers and then maybe it's only a quarter maybe it's only a few drives i can't see it being more than a half I, even a half sounds too long for me but um you know like you said it's it's the co- it's the coach's decision and we've seen mike o'shea not um we've seen him make moves or make decisions not worrying about potential injuries that's not the way he thinks he doesn't view you know he knows football is a violent game he obviously understands the importance of Zach Claros to the team but he also has a lot of trust in in the people that play in front of him and and you know and, and everybody so you know I, I don't think he's thinking about that but I, you know we'll have a pretty we'll have a better idea this week when we're able to discuss what exactly his plan is heading into that final game Hey, just chatting with Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, just want to give a quick thank you to uh, Justin, who I see just uh, picked up a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie from the site. Uh, If you haven't seen the merch available, go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Click on the store. It is all there, Justin. Thank you very much for the support. Um, Obviously, we were going to start off with the quarterback position, but... Um, for all the guys that weren't out there, there were a couple guys that were, including Winston Rose. And, uh, mm. you know, Winston Rose got beat for a couple touchdowns, was pretty clear afterwards, both in the interviews and on social media, that he feels that he needs to be better. Um, what did you think about Winston Rose? And, um, you, know, the, you know, how important is it for him to get some more reps and be a bit more comfortable back to being that dominant corner that we saw as part of that championship team two years ago? Yeah, and I think that's I think that's exactly what's in the minds of the bombers right now. I think they're I don't think they're looking at it the way that I've looked I I saw it and the way you explained it, and I think many fans kind of saw it on Saturday um, that he got beat by by Eugene Lewis twice for two touchdowns. There's a couple, you know, he was playing a bit soft coverage where you know he he would play deep and he wasn't on the ball, and and that's not from the two touchdowns; it's from a couple other plays, and then. You know, but you also have to consider that Eugene Lewis is a, is a great receiver. Those were two great catches. Um, that all needs to play into this. But but to my original point was, I think this was the Bombers' plan. I mean, he's in shape, right? He's in shape in the sense that he didn't stop working out. You know, you don't you don't you know wait for another NFL opportunity and and sit on the couch and eat potato chips. You're in the gym every day. But he's not in game shape, 
And so even with the weak practice, you know, I thought he had a, a much better game at home against Montreal. Obviously wasn't as great this past weekend. Um, but I think that's been the plan is to give him these games so that when the when you know December 5th comes around, he's feeling pretty good about his game. Obviously, as you mentioned, he took to social media yesterday. He talked after the game about, you know, needing to be better and, and, and you know, claiming he will be so those, those are important things to say I guess but um, you know overall I just I thought it was an interesting thing just in general picking up Winston Rose I thought it was a good pickup but you know of course I mean we, we saw what Winston Rose was able to do in 2019 not just in the regular season where he led the league and with nine interceptions but you know what he was able to do in the great in the playoffs you know shutting down a very important part I think what was curious to a lot of people was that, okay, yeah, you have Winston Rose, but that's been a pretty good secondary, you know, up until these past two games, it was, I think, the for, through the first 11 games, the secondary had given up three passing touchdowns. They've given up, what, five now in the last two games? So, you know, it, it was, you kind of go back to that statement, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. Um, but again, you know, I think a lot of teams, every team would find a space for a room for, for Winston Rose, and this is just part of that process. But I think if you go into next game and, He's not exactly the way you think. I need. To, I think you need to consider moving Alford back over to the boundary side and maybe playing Winston uh, Rose on the field side again. These are football decisions that are that are over my head, but it was hard not to uh, hard not to see. You know him him fall a bit short on a couple of those plays, leading to fourteen points for. for I'll Mike say Joe. this. I'll say this. Um, you know, he certainly had quite the test coming back into the lineup and going up against Lewis. I mean, you talk to people that you know are you know really you know, very close, keen eyes on the rest of the Canadian Football League. And uh, you'd have a lot of people that would give him votes for maybe the most complete receiver right now in the CFL. Well, and and he's not even, I would say Montreal is the best group of receivers, period. So you have Jake Wieneke also there. You have Quan Bray, who made a great play in the game. I mean, that having that, talented of a crew of receivers not to mention having William Stanback as your running back that's going to open up your passing game of course all those things considered it's not an easy like you said it's not an easy assignment and when you also factor in that there's moving pieces in the secondary we know there's three guys that that usually start including the main communicator and Brandon Alexander you know um, Nick Hallett is not going to be the you know the architect of a secondary like we've seen you know Brandon Alexander who's far and away, in my opinion, the best safety in the, in the CFL. So, you know, you, you, you had a lot of moving pieces. Maybe there was communication breakdown. The reason why I think it's, you know, that doesn't necessarily hold water is because on those plays, those two touchdown plays, it was clearly man defense. So, you know, he knew what his assignment was. He knew that, you know, th- that was the guy he was covering. Um, Lewis made two great plays. So, you know, if, if you factor in what, he, what we saw in the first game from Winston Rose with the second game, you can look at some pretty big differences as far as, you know, what 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 went game to game. And maybe when you, you know, maybe with, if he has his entire group in there, he's playing much better and it's not a problem. Again, that's that, that's for football guys to break down the film, get into the, you know, the, the nuances and intricacies of, of, of what the defense, what those plays, you know, um, you know, bore out and how much responsibility had and, and, and whether or not that's something you need to address or just continue on as status quo and with Winston Rose on the boundary side. Hey, before we move from football to hockey uh, and the Jets heading out to Edmonton after finishing up the homestand tomorrow against the Oilers, um, what did you make of uh, the Argos' performance or maybe the Ticats' lack thereof on Friday as the Argos locked down a uh, home playoff game? Yeah, I mean... I don't think you can bet for or against Toronto because it's just they're one of those teams that, yeah, they're first place in the East, but count me count me in as one of the guys that are, you know, people that thought 
Hamilton was going to go in there and feed them their lunch. You know, I just thought the way Hamilton was playing, you know, three games in a row, I just felt like they were trending the right direction. I mean, of course, Don Jackson wasn't playing. He's been part of that resurgence for the Ticats. He was out of the game. So that element, you know, the run attack, you know, that that's going to bore into the overall offense production. But, you know, Masoli eclipsed 300 yards again, but he just seemed to be way off on in his play. I mean, he was, you know, overthrowing, he was overthrowing receivers time and time again. And then, and then, then you just, you know, the two interceptions he had, it was kind of much of the same story. So um, I just, you know, I, it just kind of goes to the, th- whether it's the Hamilton Tire Cats or the Toronto Argonauts or everybody else not named the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's just, it seems like week to week, it's impossible to have a, to get a grasp on, you know, who's the second best team in this league, because it's just, you seem like the, you know, even if the victories are there, as we've seen with Saskatchewan, um, the play isn't quite there. It's not what you expect. And it's, you know, maybe some games are too close for comfort. And I don't know. I just put Hamilton in that same group where it's like, you think they're going to continue to do this damage. You know, they had a lot of representation at BMO Field with Hamilton not being far from Toronto. So it's just, it just kind of felt like, you know, just way to save your worst possible game for the most important one. Or maybe that, maybe it's less about Hamilton and more about Toronto rising to the occasion because they look pretty good that game. And um, if McLeod Bethel Thompson can continue to figure things out and, and, you know, play more consistent, he's the guy that goes one good game, one bad game, one good game, you know, so, so on and so forth. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but the East is going to be fascinating. There's still things to figure out there and, and we'll figure out that this week. Yeah, huge missed opportunity, though, for Hamilton. And we had a great chat with Marshall Ferguson heading into the game about, you know, what was at stake for the Ticats with a win against the Argos and another win, you know, to have one home game to make it to the Grey Cup at home. And now, um, you know, they'll be playing in that game uh, in the in the semi. They, If they're fortunate enough to win, they'll have to go back to Toronto where they just got whooped pretty good and, you know, try and get there. So it is wide open. On the west side of things, Who's a bigger threat to the Bombers, Saskatchewan or Calgary right now, do you think? Well, you know, I think just one last thing on Hamilton. I think you're bang on as far as the, as far as the, you know, the lost opportunity, but also I think teams are kind of scared of Hamilton because the Grey Cup is in Hamilton. And if they would have been able to get in through, you know, whatever, would able to get through Toronto later and host that game, whatever, it would have been, you know, a problem. That's become a much difficult, more difficult road. I think this, this way, anyways, moving on from that, um, This is obviously, you know, the West is, I mean, that question we've been asking, that question, who's better between Saskatchewan and Calgary for feels like all season, or at least since the the, the Stampeders decided to play real football again. Um, I just, it's interesting because I I just feel like I lean towards Calgary and and being more dangerous. I really like the, the Reggie Bagleton um, you know, addition. Obviously, he had a great game in his in his debut at the club this past week. Uh, they just seem like Calgary is a tough team. The thing is, though, is it's very obvious to me that Calgary does not like playing in cold weather. So, you know, I think that is the biggest thing. I think if Calgary can beat Saskatchewan um, in Saskatchewan in that semifinal and come to Winnipeg, I think Winnipeg's in a great situation. I really, you know, depending on what the weather is, watch us get this crazy nice day in in Winnipeg (laughs) after whatever. But if it is what it's supposed to be and there's tons of snow and it's cold and it's freezing, and we saw that in Calgary in 2019, they couldn't handle it then. I mean, they're known. I mean, even even Dave Dickinson said it was great to have a game in BC 
um, you know, this late in the season be indoors. Like Mike O'Shea would never say that. No. You know what I mean? And so it's not about Mike O'Shea versus, you know, Dave Dickinson and what they would say leading into those games. But, you know, this team in Winnipeg is built for cold weather. And so that's the kind of, you know, I think that's the major edge. Not to mention the Bombers are significantly better than both teams, in my opinion. So whether it's Saskatchewan battling injuries like they have all season long, I mean, their O-line isn't great. It seems like, you know, they've only had a receiver eclipse 100 receiving yards twice this season uh, in a game. So, you know, I just, I, I just, I see it as, you know, the question shouldn't be, not necessarily shouldn't be who's, who's more, you know, scary between the two teams. It's the Bombers should beat either of those clubs. And I think there's reasons to, to favor the Bombers, regardless of who comes out of that, uh, that West semi. Yeah, one more game and then it's playoff time. Bombers will be off in week one of the playoffs. They'll wait to see who makes it out of the Calgary Saskatchewan game and host that team with a trip to the Grey Cup on the line, 3 p.m. December 5th at IG Field. Get your tickets down. I'll tell you what, if you, if you could have anything close to the scene that the Bisons had for their playoff game on Saturday with all that snow, it'll be a very special day for football fans out at IG about. Field. Um, let's move over to uh, the hockey side of things. Are you going to be heading out to Edmonton earlier this week? I'll be honest, you know, the start of this schedule was so weird. You have all these games against the Kings and the Sharks and the Ducks. Uh, I had this week circled um, home and home against Edmonton. Very familiar uh, with the Oilers after the year in the North Division and, of course, the playoff series last last season. And now, um, I mean, the Oilers have come out and have been the best team in the West so far. I mean, uh, what are you looking for this week uh, for the Winnipeg Jets? And how big of a test do you think is it for a team that, you know, has had you know, some really good moments, some ugly periods, including Saturday night. They were still managed to, you know, to get two points out of it. But, um, I mean, to me, this, I don't want to call it a litmus test, a measuring stick, but um, it should be a great, great couple of games against a team that is uh, about as fun to watch as any in the NHL right now. Well, it's funny because I think we've been using the word measuring stick here, you know, maybe far too often this season because of what we've seen their schedule look like. I mean, even when the schedule came out, I didn't quite, I didn't quite register how many times we'd be playing California, how many times the Jets would be playing California teams here in Winnipeg and, and on the road, obviously. And and so like, I just, I, I look at it and I go, you know, it's just been, you know, the Jets have, have gutted out wins. They've, they've won excitingly. They played, like you mentioned, bad periods of hockey, you know, throughout those stretches. They played good periods of hockey. I mean, I think you can look at the St. Louis game, um, you know, ultimately led to a, to a, a loss in extra time shootout, but, um, but they played well throughout that game. And so you look at what they've done here so far in the homestand and four, one and one, but you know, you, you beat Dallas, who's meh, you beat Chicago, who's less than meh. And you, you know, you kind of, you, you lost to the teams like the Islanders and, 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 and the blues, obviously, you know, I think the LA Kings are a good team. They've, they've, you know, they're, they're a spunky team, a slow start, but they've been, um, they've been doing well, but they're kind of here in the back end of a, of a road trip. So it's just, you know, I do a road think trip this, where they beat everybody else. Well, I mean, that's they were what the hottest I, team in the well, league coming in I mean, with seven in a row. Hey, those road trip games add up. So like the fact that, you know, don't, uh, don't look at that lightly. Like those are, those are challenging games. We saw the, we saw the Winnipeg jets go through California um, in a week and, and lay an egg against San Jose, you know, who had seven guys out with COVID. So that was, you know, you could argue that was the late road trip game, you know? So, I mean, it's just, you know, whether you want to call it a litmus test, whether you, whether you want to call it a measuring stick, the Edmonton Oilers are playing like a team that many thought they should have played it years ago. You know, being 11-3 and three or whatever they're at right now, I believe that's it. They got guys like Leon Dreisaitl has 31 points. 
this season. McDavid has 27. They're the most exciting team, and they're doing it without Mike Smith. Now, without Mike Smith in net, you know, Mika Kossian started off nicely, but he's kind of come back to earth here in the last little while. And what we've seen from their schedule is they kind of play track meets now. So how is that going to play into the game? I think that plays, you know, I don't know, quite well into to, to Winnipeg. I know if you looked at the playoffs last year, they wouldn't want to get in that style of game because of their defense. And they spoke about that, but with the improvements that they've made this season, maybe they're built to do a bit of a track meet against them. And if you have Connor Hellebuck in net, I think you obviously have the edge there. So this will be an interesting one. Um, you know, it's tough to play in Edmonton. It's tough to play in a, you know, what's been a raucous crowd at, at uh, Canada Life Center here in Winnipeg. I've been, you know, been able to attend some of those games and the fans are living up to their billing. Uh, it's just that's a dynamic team and so you know given all the history we've seen between the two clubs with as you mentioned last year's playoffs um, there's a lot in going into this game and you know what I think with what we've seen from Winnipeg this year the slow starts to games if you can't get up for this one early on then I think it's extremely concerning so you know let's see how it plays out let's you know let's give them the benefit of the doubt they've been playing some pretty good hockey here of late um Let's see what they can do against a really dangerous Edmonton team. I'll say this about the, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, going into this game with the amount of uh, blender usage that took place on Saturday night. And I know you were, of course, in Montreal covering the Bombers. But, um, you know, you had Shifley Wheeler with Ehlers in the first period. Uh, that switched up in the second period. And then in the third period, for the first time in a while, we saw Blake Wheeler playing along with Connor and Dubois, Svechnikov moving to play with the uh, with Adam Lowry and Jansen Harkins, and Kopp, Ehlers, and uh, Mark Shifley. Um, I, I'm really interested to see how these lines will go, you know, going into a game like in, in Edmonton. Um, but I'm interested in your perspective on this move. I mean, a lot of people are, you know, angry that Svechnikov's not on that line because they had been doing, I mean, I guess I'll sort of argue that that line was doing really well, and I think you could put a number of players on that group because they've been driven so much by Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois. But at the same time, I mean, I was quite complimentary of the fact that they seemed to have a nice mix amongst those three lines, um, you know, the way they were previously constructed. Um, but I'll tell you what, looking forward to seeing Ehlers play with Shifley, and I do think that Blake Wheeler on the wing with Dubois and Connor. Um, you know, well, I think it'll be great for Wheeler to really get him going, get him on. And, um, you know, obviously, I think a lot of people have been looking forward to a time when maybe Maurice doesn't rely on that pairing of Shifley and Wheeler so much together. And, you know, I think there'll be some benefits for both of these players once we get to see the way things look. Uh, look, now, that being said, I guess I get it. I mean, it was sort of found money with Svechnikov. You've got a guy making very little money playing on that top line. Um, but again, like everything, work in progress right now, and especially when you get stymied the way the Jets did for the majority of that game against the Los Angeles Kings on Saturday, you're going to see some moves made by, uh, by the coach to try to you know spice the offense up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, kind of loaded. Like, I don't know which direction to launch into here, but I got a good idea of where I'm going to go. I don't like Svechikov being removed from that line. I'll just say it. I thought he played well with those guys. I, you know, I think the big hit on him was that he couldn't keep up to them. He couldn't keep up to the speed. He couldn't keep up to the plays. He wasn't going to chip in. He was, you know, maybe drag that line down. And how, I don't know how many times I've come on your show and others and spoke about this, you know, Paul Maurice's need to just put his best players or who he views as his best players, you know, on every on his top two lines. And I felt like with adding a guy like Evgeny Sveshnikov, 
you put him on a line with that group and he, and they're living up to their expectations. They're scoring five on five goals. I don't know why you, why you have an issue with that. Maybe, maybe Paul Maurice has seen something in the opponents they play, they've played. And maybe he hasn't seen that with the, you know, the games where that he knows that are going to be the tougher challenges. But I just, I felt like that was a big thing. I also felt like, you know, and I think a lot of people would agree. And, you know, I know Blake Wheeler has this fair amount of fans here, but there's no reason he should be leading forwards in ice time. Like it just, it just doesn't make any sense. And I thought that, you know, that Shifley and Wheeler and Lowry line was going to be broken up. And there's other guys, you know, that have, colleagues that have, we, we've kind of talked about this is that I thought that was going to be broken up because you needed to get Mark Shifley more minutes and you should be tailoring down um, Wheeler's minutes. And what we're seeing from these new lines, I mean, including today, I mean, Cop Shifley and Ehlers, Connor Dubois, Wheeler, um, you know what you want to get out of those lines. That's, those are obvious. That's obviously a nice looking top six. What are you looking for out of Jansen Harkins, Adam Lowry, and Evgeny Sveshnikov? I, I just it, it doesn't have an identity anymore there. Like that's not a shutdown. But that's line. a checking line now. I mean, it, yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying I'm not saying they can't be a checking line, but I don't think they've worked enough together to give you that kind of chemistry that you saw with Lowry and Cop and, and company. So, you know, to me, there's a lot of moving parts there. You know, I've seen you mentioned some of the in-game moves. Some of those things are because just they haven't been able to do anything. And, and, and Paul Maurice will literally be like, I'm going to put Ehlers with, uh, you know, the, with, with Connor and Dubois because we need a goal. You know, we don't need, we don't need three goals. They're usually they're trailing by one goal when, he, you know, he kind of makes those. And I look at this, the San Jose game in San Jose where he did that and Kyle Connor scored, forced it overtime, and then they lost an OT. Um, it's just, you know, he, he seems to be, do, you know, he seems comfort in chaos. Um, when it comes to in-game lines. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's just, it looks like to me, and maybe this is strictly um, strategy against a good Edmonton Oilers top six. So maybe this is maybe this, maybe this this is a lineup that he views as, as ideal for the next two games, and maybe we'll see changes after the next two games. So maybe there's, maybe there's reason to pause on, on, mes- on necessarily believing or, or evaluating these lines as somehow this is the, the new look Jets uh, for the foreseeable future and more so a case of the fact that they're playing a very good Edmonton Oilers team two games in a row. I just, again, I really, really liked Evgeny Sveshnikov on that line. I thought that it, it, it um, spread up some of, spread part some of the wealth between those lines because if you're not going to go with Cop and Lowry and, and, you know, whether it's Vestline or whoever, or Harkins, or whoever would fill in that, you know, real checking line, you know, one that would be utilized the way we've seen that line utilized in previous years, then what are you kind of doing here? Because I just, I think you're leading to, because we haven't seen the thing about the jets is we, we rarely see both of those lines that are stacked going in a game. It's usually one line or the other. And that leads to pulling the blender out and shifting this guy over here and this guy over there. When I thought you were getting pretty consistent, you know, play from certainly the Connor Dubon Sveshnikov line. Now it's figuring it out with, you know, Shifley and, you know, you know, with, 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 the, you know, obviously moving him up in the line to play with, you know, Stassi obviously out, but just kind of just doing a little bit more than, than just trying to stack your lines as if you're playing, you know, you know, NHL 94. I just, I, I it's to me, I just feel like spraying out some of that wealth, but again, you know, talking in circles now, but maybe this is an Edmonton plan and, and we'll see how it, how it pans out. Well, I, I mean, just speaking of Edmonton, I mean, it's been pretty interesting to see what Tippett's been doing. Um, you know, he has not at all been afraid. Game number one, McDavid and Dreisaitl on that same line. They've got the Nuge playing very well in the second line, you know, doing, you know, putting up some real points. Um, 
But again, I mean, I see it both sides. And I really did like the line, you know, construction when you had three relatively balanced lines. It was difficult to say who was the top line, who was the third line. Um, but I, I think you're on to something here with knowing who these next couple games are against. Um, you know, you're, you're going to need to have the offense going because uh, it's unrealistic to think that you're just going to be able to shut the Edmonton Oilers down, um, you know, for 60 minutes, never mind 20 or 40. Well, and, and, and that's it. And I mean, that's, and that could very well be the plan. So, and, and perhaps Paul Maurice is going to play chess all season long. Maybe this is just, you know, what we've seen throughout the start of, you know, this season. A, lo- a lot of that obviously had to do with, with some of the misfortunes for the club with COVID and, and Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler being out of the lineup. But you, you, you got to learn a bunch of things. And so maybe he's, maybe Paul Maurice is going to take it like a game by game approach or a stretch by stretch approach. And um, maybe we got to get used to, seeing 11 and seven more often or seeing, you know, the lineups change. Cause if you don't have those balanced three lines, if you don't have that identity in your bottom six, you tend to lean on the top six more often. And as you mentioned, I mean, yeah, dry and Connor McDavid playing together, as long as you're producing, that was, that's kind of, but they got to play with another guy who isn't, you know, so it's, it's kind of the same story with Connor and Dubois, arguably the two best players for the jets this season playing with Sveshnikov. And so, you know, it, we'll see what happens. I think if you, you know, it's one of those things I also think that when you look at these next two games, if the Jets win both games, well, then who the hell cares? Or what, what was Jeff Hamilton talking about? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter that he's on. They just went 2-0. and So that's that's the beauty of this game. We'll uh, we'll see if our opinions are validated or crushed, and we'll come back and lick our wounds or, or rub it in their faces when we're done. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, with, with Stastny out right now, I've certainly – I really like the way Jansen Harkins has been playing. I think he deserves a spot on that line. And as I said earlier, I want to see – Ehlers and Shifley play together for a while. I think Cop's a perfect complement with those guys on that line. And I mean, really, what we're talking about is Wheeler or Sveshnikov on that top line. And I mean, it's such a simple move. Uh, and, and I wouldn't at all be surprised if at some point we don't see Blake Wheeler playing some consistent minutes with Adam Lowry. I mean, I think there's definitely some potential there. But I'm, uh, I mean, I know there's a lot of people freaking out. My freakout meter is very, very low for a swap of Svechnikov and Wheeler right now heading into this series. And, and I'll tell you what, if it doesn't go much like we saw on Saturday night, um, you know, they changed lines after the first period. They did it again after the second period when things weren't going well. And listen, if it's a bad first period in Edmonton or at home tomorrow night when the Oilers are here, Jeff, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. And that's just the way things work, especially when you're working through bringing guys back and, trying to get really some consistency and a bit of steam going forward for the offense, which has been really up and down over the course of this homestand, despite the fact that um, the bottom line is eight, three and three is a pretty nice start for this Winnipeg Jets hockey club. Certainly. I mean, and that's the thing, like I said, the road trips four one and one, you know, like you can't really complain about that. They got five or six points in the, in the California trip. Um, you know, again, we can look at the opponents and we can poke holes in it all we want, but you know, the results have been there. Um, I just I look at a line like like Blake Wheeler, Adam Lowry, and Jansen Harkins, and I don't have an issue with that. Like I just I you know I, I see I see major potential with that group and keeping the other top six as you mentioned with you know Nick Ehlers playing with Mark Shifley. Uh, we know there's been you know that reluctance to put Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, and Ehlers together. I don't know if that's because of the chemistry between Blake and and Mark or or whatever it is, but um, that's you know, the way think- they started on Saturday. And um, exactly, and it yeah. just wasn't it wasn't happening. I don't know whether it was moving Ehlers to the other side or what, but um, uh, I mean, part of it is splitting up Shifley and Wheeler. I think a lot of people have time for that, and the coach apparently has some time for that right now. But you don't want to split those guys up and then 
you know, have them not contribute. I think, honestly, Shifley's in a better situation right now um, to get going offensively, playing with Ehlers. We certainly saw that beautiful setup on the rocket to win an OT. Um, and Andrew Kopp has been one of those sort of calming forces, and I think his defensive aptitude, very important to be on that line if you're going to be putting Shifley and Ehlers, who... I don't think by any stretches of their uh, are di- defensive dynamos at this point in their career. But also keeping them together for a while, going through the ups and yeah. downs, not changing things by period two. You can hear it in players' voices post-game. You know what I mean? Like, players are making comments like, oh, I don't even, not like I don't know who my wingers are per se, but, you know, how many, you know, the, when they say how many lines they've been on this year or whatever, it's kind of, you know, it could change in a couple of days. You know what I mean? I don't know if that sarcasm or, you know, you know, any kind of level of passive aggressive or if it's just simply the truth that they're being told that this might you know things might change week to week but I just you look you know for all those reasons Ehlers, Kopp and, and Mark Shifley that seems like a really good line to me and, and sticking with them and then having Sheshnikov with with Dubois and Connor because we've seen that success and then and then trying to figure out what identity Blake Wheeler can have with two guys that work extremely hard on the ice and Adam Lowry and Jansen Harkins. Like, is it because there's too many dishers in that? Maybe Blake Wheeler can be a, in front of the net guy. Adam Lowry's obviously in front of the net guy, but if he needs to be got to set up, I think there's some real potential with that group. And if you have those two, those two top lines, you know, the Dubois and, and the Mark Shifley line, you're going to get, matched by the other team's best there's absolutely no doubt about that they're not going to look at a Lowry Harkins and Wheeler line as being better than those two lines and requiring a matchup which would inevitably open up some opportunities for that line and there's enough scoring punch on that line or there at least should be to 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 be a productive scoring third line and not just one that's relied on shutting down the other team's best big guy in chat says last year Jets played OT with three forwards hasn't happened yet this year I wonder why well it has I think it, it did happened I think on it Saturday happened, yeah it happened on Saturday they yeah, started I mean, with three, yeah but they finally they went back that was that won. was the narrative right for the year it's like wow, wow they did so well with yeah three well I mean I think part did. of it is that you know and Maurice talked about it he said you know we've got some defensemen that are putting up big points that are contributing and <laughs> they the other part they, they didn't yeah. want to put out their defense because it wasn't a def- you they know like they didn't have the offensive punch and the defensive prowess so they they are they have a different makeup this year so it makes a lot more sense putting those guys out there but i'm with those that think that you know the jets if they're getting to three on three hockey put out the three forwards because it's such a it's such a a storm that you can't really have a guy playing back and so you kind of want to go on the full full on assault and and rather than kind of i would love i would love to see a little three on three in a couple of these games i mean that would be that would be must-see TV, just knowing what Tippett's got at his disposal, rolling out for three-on-three, three. And, and a Jets team that traditionally has been quite good in three-on-three three overtime, certainly a lot of high-end skill. What their issue has been this year on a couple of occasions is taking penalties and then having to kill penalties. Uh, and speaking of killing penalties, Jeff, uh, I'm not sure if there's anything more important going into this series against Edmonton than being disciplined and staying out of the box because that power play that the Edmonton Oilers are rolling out is as potent as any that we've seen probably in the last couple decades. Yep, certainly is. I don't know how much I can add to that. The assessment is bang on there, Huss. I think this is one of the most, this is easily one of the, if not the most dangerous groups out there. We've seen what the Jets, you know, penalty kill has been doing this season. No offense to them last game, obviously. Dylan DeMello is the hero down a guy. So, you know, wait for, wait. I can't believe that was his first Jets goal. I, I can, but um, just the way in which it happened, it's uh, pretty interesting. But shorthanded um, late in a 2 1 game <laughs> down at home. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. that's a two point goal right there because so, if yeah. that doesn't happen, it's a disappointing regulation loss where you didn't have much going offensively. And, you know, you, you, you know, 
I mean, two big points. And anyways, it was really cool that uh, DeMello got it done. Hey, you're out in auto. I'm just seeing reports. Sens are going to have a bunch of uh, games canceled uh, or postponed, I should say, about the next three. Um, you know, I don't know why. Maybe everyone's vaccinated. You just sort of think that we're kind of through all this. But, you know, we've seen it bite the Jets earlier this season with Shifley and Wheeler missing time. And now for the first time this season, a more significant outbreak within a team. But uh, just to remind you that we're not completely out of the woods just yet. It reminds you you're not completely out of the woods next, uh, just yet. But it also reminds you that this is going to be kind of life as normal for the next little while here. Like this is not going to be the last time a team gets, you know, has COVID. We're going to see more and more teams, you know, hopefully not the way we, what we've seen from Ottawa, but similar to what the Jets had to endure and, and, you know, a couple guys getting it or whatever, like that's just going to happen now, you know, and, and, and we kind of got to get used to that. Um, the, obviously the situation in Ottawa is an interesting one. There's a lot of players from what I'm hearing from my colleagues here is there was a Halloween party involved with these guys. So oh, man. who knows if like, you know, like, I mean, I just, to me, it's like, I also start wondering like these guys take charter planes, you know, the average person ain't getting COVID. Why are these teams getting COVID? Is it like, you know, I get it. Our bank accounts aren't close to there. So there's a lot more expendable income to do fun things. I just, I don't understand why the NHL seems to be, hit so hard with COVID and you know whereas like I'm jaunting across the country I'm testing negative on all my tests I, I just and that's by following the rules so anyways I'm not I'm not speculating that anybody is necessarily doing anything above and beyond um, you know negatively but it's just I, I also think that this is kind of going to be status quo for the season we're going to see this and it's and it's what the, the crazy part or the unfortunate part however you want to kind of frame it is you know it's it's going to create some major disadvantages for teams, right? Because, you know, we've already seen it with the Sharks. We saw it with the Jets. I mean, Mark Shifley couldn't join Winnip- couldn't join his teammates because of the of the quarantine rules and not ha- not allowed to come back over the Canadian border for 14 days. We saw that with San Jose. They couldn't send there were some guys that were done and out of protocols um, and could have come and, and could have come and played, but they couldn't cross back into Canada. Same thing, right? They didn't hit, hit that 14 day threshold. So you just kind of hope that it doesn't affect teams too much. But um, unfortunately, it's looking like this is going to be a factor this season and, and who knows how long um, it's going to last for. So uh, what's on the agenda for tonight? A little media hookup with uh, your friends in the business out in Ottawa and then uh, catching a plane to Edmonton uh, to uh, hit the road with the Winnipeg Jets later on this week. Looking to do a little bit of a uh, spot by my favorite spot, Shea Lucien, who's ever been to Ottawa, best burger in the you know the world. So I can I can confirm that I've had every burger in the world. So um, that for dinner, then head over to the Laugh Lafayette for live music. Hopefully, I don't know if that's going to be the case Monday, but I one can dream. Um, and then yeah, who knows? Early bedtime, obviously. One beard, maybe two, and then go to bed early. It's a work yeah. trip, but extended, you know, 13, 14 hours in the rack. Actually, it's not a work. It's not a work there. trip. So if if anything comes out on anything, I, I'm not actually working. So, <laughs> hey, uh, dude, thanks so much for doing this. Always great to have you on the program. Travel safe, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, all your reporting on the Jets road trip later on this week when you head west with the Winnipeg Free Press. Always a pleasure, and shout out to the commenters. You guys, you guys know you make this show. So thanks a lot for having me, and uh, anytime. Right on, pal. There he is, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jeff K. Hamilton, and you can read all of his work in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. Hey, I uh, saw today on uh, Twitter the uh, new unis for Finland at the upcoming Olympics. Did get a little birdie from our friends over at Royal Sports that the Canada jerseys are going to make their debut, I believe, next Wednesday. 
And we'll be uh, we'll be looking to uh, maybe get uh, maybe get the jerseys to do a little debut. You'll certainly be able to get them at your Team Canada headquarters over at Royal Sports, along with the best selection of Jets gear, Bomber gear, and licensed merchandise from your favorite teams and leagues. All there at 750 Pembina Highway, and of course they are the undisputed, undefeated heavyweight champs of hockey. Millions of dollars in inventory, both forward skaters and goaltenders. And of course, with the snow coming down, snowboard season as well. If you're hitting the hills, make sure to pop down to Royal Sports and get you set up to dominate winter. Uh, a big thanks to our friends over at Not Auto Corp as well. Uh, speaking of skiing, I saw Trevor was out in the um, uh, was out skiing on the weekend, um, but back taking care of the cars and the uh, roads right now. And as you know, the winters here it might be time to maybe get into a new vehicle. If you're thinking about doing that before you do anything, consult with the experts of at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Visit them and the Winnipeg Car Lab at Waverly and McGilvery or hit them up online at not.ca. Uh, if you had a great weekend, I'm sure maybe you mixed in the odd little brown jug, some of the 1919s. I got into the winter variety pack on the weekend, which includes the new Double, which is a little bit of a stronger beer. Anyways, it's phenomenal. Limited edition right now, available at the Tap Room on William Avenue, as well as in the winter variety pack that you'll find at bottle shops throughout the city of Winnipeg and Manitoba. Uh, but I'd suggest going down. I mean, it's such a great spot to meet a friend for a beer and you can get the great merchandise, all the beer as well. Little Brown Jug over at William Avenue or find out more online at littlebrownjug.ca as well as a link in the events page to book Little Brown Jug for holiday parties and more going forward. All there, William Avenue, Little Brown Jug at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, uh, let's get Michael Remus back in here. And... Um, the uh, unfortunately, uh, we we're hoping to get a hold of uh, my pal Stephen Sandor, who right now is at Canada practice for tomorrow's big game between Canada and Mexico as the uh, World Cup continues. Remo, I know you were uh, following it like so many people were on Friday. I sort of booked my Friday afternoon off to watch that, or Friday evening off to watch that game. And uh, it was pretty wild seeing 49,000 people packed in Commonwealth Stadium supporting our Canadian men's soccer team. Jonathan David got the big goal. And now Canada right now is in an incredible position to qualify legitimately for the World Cup out of CONCACAF for the first time in over 30 years. And I'll tell you what, it'll be a tough uh, decision for a lot of people tomorrow night between the Jet game and this scene in Edmonton with the Mexicans coming to town Probably the biggest test for Canada when it comes to qualifying. Um, but the Mexicans are coming in the middle of a snowfall warning. And at game time, it's probably going to be in and around minus 9 or minus 10. Uh, it should be quite the scene tomorrow. And I'll tell you what, probably as good of an opportunity as Canada will ever have to beat the Mexicans on home turf. Yeah, and you talk about the interest for soccer in Canada. Our buddy Adam Seaborn putting out the sports ratings. Believe it or not... Canada, Costa Rica led the sporting calendar or read the sporting schedule in Canada in, in viewership. Uh, 713,000 people watched that game. Nice. Ne next up was Calgary, Toronto at 598,000. Uh, that was, uh, sorry, Leafs. Was that Leafs? That's a regional game. Leafs, uh, Flames. Crazy. And then Hamilton, Toronto uh, on TSN. Uh, so that's... I mean, it shows you the interest. You know, I think the attendance for that Canada soccer 
has been not tennis though you know people number of people watching it been trending upwards as they go along and it seems realistic that Canada could have a team in the World Cup which you know some people didn't think they'd see in their lifetime so it's pretty cool you do have exciting players I'm gonna tune in I want to see what this field looks like who's <laughs> who's the genius who scheduled Edmonton to host soccer games in November don't they know it BC? is genius it BC. is genius <laughs> BC has a dome stadium. They couldn't put them in BC. What? I don't. Well, you, well, they don't want to. They want. They want this outside. They want it to be freezing cold. I mean, hell, the, the Canada will go down to play the Mexicans, and they'll be playing the game at one o'clock in the afternoon when it's thirty-nine degrees Celsius out at altitude, and it kills the visitors. I mean, this for the first time in our lifetime, Canada has a legitimate home field advantage. First of all, we talked about the weather. That's going to be the most uncomfortable scenario that the Mexicans have probably ever played in. And then on top of it all, shout out to Edmonton for packing that stadium for the first time. We've actually got a crowd that is cheering for Canada. I mean, there's nothing been nothing more embarrassing over the last 20 years than seeing some of these games happen. And, you know, Canada's playing Honduras or some of these other, you know, the Dominican. And, you know, you kick off and, you know, it's 80% fans of the visiting team. I think that's all in the past now. I mean, I think there is a real momentum of fan support for the Canadian men's team. And a big part of that has been the incredible bar set so high by our Canadian women's team. But uh, this is a special time for soccer in this country. I'll tell you what, a win tomorrow which would not uh, not guarantee Canada a spot in the World Cup, but they are already put themselves in an incredible position. Um, you know, could be something that I think will change the way soccer is followed by average fans here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, well, really, for the first time in my lifetime, and I barely remember them making it to the World Cup in '86. But after that, it has been a long, long, miserable run. But we've got some incredibly talented young players that are um, inspiring and making new fans every time they come out. We had a great crowd in Edmonton. I'm sure it'll be the same thing tomorrow night, and it should be a real spectacle. And hard to believe, but we could be talking about Canada qualifying for the World Cup, led by Alfonso Davies and all the uh, great young stars on this team. And uh, as I said, big sports day tomorrow, Remus, with that happening. And, of course, the Jets hosting Edmonton to finish up the homestand. Yeah, here's a tweet sent out by uh, Mexican reporter Gerardo Velasquez de Leon. Extreme weather conditions at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. And Tuesday is worse. Yes. And and here it is, the field covered in snow. Uh it's snowing, visibility is low. And um and I mean you're right. I guess it is a home field advantage for Canada. It seems crazy to me. Um it seems crazy to me that uh that they would play soccer in this weather reminds me of some of the gray cups that we've seen. Um, you talk about Edmonton flashing back to Gizmo Williams returning uh, kickoffs, but yeah, let's, I'll, I'll tune in. And uh, hey, you know, Willie Jefferson says the come on down to Winnipeg. Well, Alfonso Davis doing the come on down to Edmonton, minus 10, snowfall warning. Welcome to Edmonton, Mexico. Deal with it. Yeah, and we did. I did see a question from A. Bale. Where can I find a Team Canada t-shirt for girl size? Was oh, he talking about hockey or soccer? I I believe Royal Sports had. I did see a bunch of um, soccer gear at Royal when I popped in there. They do. Uh, this they, weekend. They do have a bunch. Now, I'm not sure about sizes, so you might want to yeah. call there if you want. And I do know, well, it, it's funny. A Canada soccer really needs to step up their game. I mean, if you were watching the game on Friday night, they had all those big um, um, advertisements for Canada soccer store. 
I was interested as to what they had because, I mean, I really thought that there should have been way more, you know, especially for the women. I mean, you know, winning that Olympic gold medal. I mean, we should see Desiree Scott jerseys around and, you know, have them available for people. And I went on the site and, uh, well, let's just say it was quite disappointing. So oh. um, that's something I think that will be changing going forward. Uh, but I do know when it comes to Canada soccer stuff and whatever, whatever gear you want, if you're in Winnipeg, start off over at Royal Sports. So I, I'll tell you what, Sanders probably, the, the, the everything got pushed back in, in Edmonton right now. So I think we might have to wait for that conversation to happen on tomorrow's show. We'll definitely do a preview of Canada, Mexico with somebody from Edmonton. And of course, we'll be talking Jets and Oilers as well. Um, but I'll tell you what, we've talked a lot about the Jets. I am interested to hear what Paul Maurice had to say after practice so Remus, if you want to get that ready, um, you know, of course, we've been talking a lot about the way the lines looked at the end of the game against the Kings on Saturday and the way they were for practice today. You've got Ehlers and Cop with Mark Shifley and uh, certainly Dubois and Connor together. But the interesting switch was Blake Wheeler and Svechnikov swapping in the third period of the game on Saturday night. That's the way things look today. Svech in with Lowry and Jansen Harkins right now on the fourth line while they still await Paul Stassi to come back. So uh, let's hear what Coach Paul Maurice had to say after practice as his Jets get ready for Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow night. You can't skate on it yet. That's all. So we'll see how he is tomorrow and the next day. And if we don't think he's close, then we won't bring him. If we think he's close, we'll bring him. Paul, this uh, upcoming home-and-home series with the Edmonton Oilers, you've as a club, you've uh, done a pretty good job of keeping the goals against. Uh, I think it's to where you want them. So, are you? Do you like where you're positioned now going into this, or do you look at this as kind of a litmus test just to see where you're at? It'll be a test for our back end uh, and for what we allow our defense to do defending, because so much of it with their team is what your forwards do, right? They're so. Three places they'll get you. They're really dynamic off the rush. They lead the league in zone time in their power plays. Lights out good. So those are the places that you've got to be right on. Well, you've talked lots this year about um, waves of five or and, and you know trying to have the deep, the blue liners involved a little more maybe. And where do you think you're at with that? Certainly the the points. You look at the number of points your yeah. defensemen have put up. Do you feel that that's an area that's getting better here as you go along? Yeah, I think the um, that, that's an important part of the way the game is played. So it wouldn't be a Winnipeg Jets thing now, right? The D are so active on the rush because the back pressure is so good, and the um, it's just I wouldn't put that as a priority. I mean, right now we're trying to play inside a little more than outside, get more pucks to the net from the inside. That would be our where we're from an offensive point of view. What we're trying to drive our game at, make sure we get traffic to the net. I, I know that sounds so cliche. Um, and it's, it's, you know, every new coach that comes in his first interviews is like the same, right? So like we, we all say the same things all the time about what we're trying to do, we're trying to get more pucks to the net, get inside on it. So we scored some goals, so we think we can. We think we can add that to our offensive game. But I've found in the past, if you're bringing offensive components into your video all the time. If all you're talking about is offense, you're going to have a real problem quick. So it's a good test here for us. If you're not right on defensively, they're going to light you right up. Uh, but we're a pretty good offensive team, too. Well, I saw Hyman quite a lot last 
last year in Toronto. What has he brought to the equation for the Oilers? Yeah, I mean, that game, right? So he's a four-checker with hands. He can get on the puck and he'll... He'll get to the net front, and, and he can also make plays like on the goal last night. He's he'll drive it, drive it down, drive it wide, drive it to the net, and still has hands to make a play, and, and increases the intensity level of your forward. You, know, you bring in a, I thought they've brought in a couple of guys up front who play a pretty hard, pretty fast game, so it increases their level. Well, you like how your power or penalty kill, sorry, has been playing. Uh, not, now you come into it yeah. against a team that's hovering around fifty percent. What's the, the balance there? Is it discipline or is it, I mean, yeah, I think Brendan just said that you don't want, you know, want them to eat any more than they already are going to, kind of on five on five. Yeah, so. uh, the, it, it's it's not about, I mean, I guess it is about stick discipline and those kind of things, right? The trips, the hooks, all that. But that's not the starting point. It's your original body position. It's just don't get behind the game you now. There's enough speed there that sometimes you're just going to be behind the game, and that's when the discipline comes in uh, to not get the stick up. But um, the original defensive positioning has to be right on these guys because they're so fast. So this, it's positioning discipline first. You talked about after the last game, like you, you've liked Evgeny Svechnikov with yeah. Connor and Dubois. What's the benefit of putting Wheeler there, putting Blake there, and? Like, I, I guess what I'm wondering is, and why why try and get him going when, if that's what it is, when you already have a line that was kind of working so well, I suppose. Yeah, I, I don't know that I ever looked at that line and said that 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 it was so dynamic that you couldn't break it up. I mean, I I felt those two guys are, are really skilled. They put, but I felt I don't think that Pierre Luke's been lucky. It's kind of the opposite around the net. He's actually. Probably got about five points. He's sitting there, can't believe didn't go for him. Um, I don't sometimes do it to get guys going. It's, it's you know, Mark and Blake have been so good together with Kyle over the time, but we kind of like the way we're playing now and didn't want to see that plus minus creep up for either of those two guys, and it was starting to go. So why wouldn't you change it? I, I never felt that by... Um, making the change that we were losing some chemistry on that line. If I'm wrong, we'll find out real quick. But I think uh, it also would allow me going into these next two games to have a cleaner understanding of what match you might want. They had two really, really powerful lines. I like Cop uh, and Shifley together. I think Andrew brings something to every line that he plays. He can make plays, but he's a good defensive player. I like the physicality, the size of... Dubois and Wheeler playing together. Blake will go to the net. He'll go to the net hard and right hand shot. There's just a bunch of things that could work. I don't think that there's a downside to that line. I don't think putting Blake there, I don't think we're going to lose anything. The question is, is there quite a bit more there? I've had Kopp and Scheife and uh, Nikki Ehlers together before, and I've liked that line. And it almost always seemed by injury, right? That's how that line got together, and you kind of liked it, and then people came back, so you went back to what you knew. But maybe we let this run for a little while if we like it. So I felt going into the last two games that I didn't necessarily love my lines, um, and I was open to changing them. So, But then the opposite might be true with this set. I might leave this for a little while. Are you trying to balance as a head coach a guy that, I don't want to say used to be so productive but Blake's numbers aren't the same as they were three years ago he's not a 90 point guy anymore are you still trying to balance how to get your captain more so I don't think I don't know about that not a there's a big chunk of power play points 
that left when a right-handed player. It's not just Patty. It's because that that unit went like fourth, fifth, seventeenth. So it's it's not a guarantee when he was here that you were scoring a whole lot. But this power play with him over on that side because we're shorthand, right a right-handed slot, it's just isn't going to put us as many points. If you took a look at the chances that he's had to score and you put him in and he got hot, you'd be going, oh man, Blake Wheeler's resurgence. He's on fire. I'm not worried about that. I'm not. I'm not trying to get a guy going. I really. I'm not. I. I I'm also not necessarily trying to get to the final resting place of our lines 15 games into the season. It's kind of where we're at right now. Stastny injury, and Wheels numbers, the plus minus numbers, it just wasn't going for him really well. I didn't think there's a cost to moving uh, Wheeler there. Matter of fact, there might be a benefit to it. Uh, and I'd like Cop and, uh, and and Shife together. I've always kind of liked that. Nikki, Nikki was moving today in practice the way he can move. So I, I I like what we saw, what I saw in practice today with our pace. So that's usually a sign that the guys are kind of excited about who they're playing with. Svechnikov was shooting pucks today. You know, he's not trying to jam the puck over to two other guys. If he's got a chance, he's shooting the puck. Harks has been moving pretty darn well. Lows is back in the middle, and I like the way our fourth line played. So wouldn't really be – didn't go in there going, hey, i got to see if I can get Blake Wheeler. I mean, what would you say? First thing, you, if he's not scoring, well, we got to get you chances. Well, that, that part we got, right? Just wasn't really going with him and Mark, so it's an easy change. Obviously, we see more of your games than any others, but even some of the other ones I've been watching, it seems like the referees are being a little bit more lenient, maybe have a little more of that let them play attitude. Have you noticed that in other games and in your games as well? Well, I haven't seen that in other games. I would agree that we just went on a run going back to the San Jose game in San Jose where there was a lot of room, like, the sticks. I liked it. I've actually liked the way the game's been called here these last four or five. I don't mind if we let some of that stuff. It's not even let some of that stuff go. I don't even know that there's enough there to make the call, but it's, you know, they don't want it to get out of hand. You take that cross-checking kind of out of the game and the players make the adjustment real quick, right? Because you just don't see it now. They've been they've been pretty good about not, not getting called on the cross. I don't know what the numbers are. It's just, for me, that's anecdotal from watching games. You don't see a lot of cross-checking penalties right now. Um, maybe that's brought the level, the, the kind of maybe the the chippiness of the game down. This Maybe it's just not as physical. We'll see. They always test for us is, let's see, get get a bunch of run of games in the Central Division, and that can kind of tell you where, that, where it's at. Because we used to come in and go in Nashville, and there might be 100 calls. Right, they'd call ten, and then you'd go out east, and and you'd be in the box. I mean, I think we had eight one night in Carolina after coming out of a game out of the out of the Central Division. You're going, well, well it doesn't look anything like it. So we'll see. All right, there's Coach Paul Maurice from a little earlier today after Winnipeg Jet practice. Team back at home tomorrow night, finishing up this uh, longest homestand of the season, taking on the Edmonton Oilers, and then the Jets and Oilers will both head to Edmonton for a rematch on Thursday night. Um, I want to give a big shout-out to our friends at Princess Auto for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk, and not to mention a great sponsor of curling here in Manitoba. Cannot wait to get out to Saskatoon next week and do a little reporting for you all on all the Manitoba teams at the Olympic curling trials. We will certainly do that and be following the two Princess Auto teams, Jennifer Jones and Mike McEwen, along with three other teams representing our province in the hopes of representing Canada 
course, Princess Auto is the spot where you'll find all the tools and ideas to help your projects or ideas come to life. You can visit them at either of the two locations in Winnipeg. Of course, head office also here in Winnipeg or shop 24-7-365 online at princessauto.com uh, princess and make your dreams come into reality with the help of the gang over at Princess Auto. Boston Pizza scoreboard for tonight. We will get to the Monday Nighter in a minute and get the lines with Coolbet. Just two games tonight in the National Hockey League. Both early starts. The Islanders at Tampa Bay. Detroit at Columbus. Uh, so if you pop by your local Boston Pizza, you'll be able to see those games. And then buckle up for the Rams and the 49ers tonight just after 7 o'clock p.m., uh, of course, Boston Pizza, great spot to meet uh, friends for the big game. Ice cold schooners, great pizza, Boston's wings. But if you do want to stay in with it not being too nice outside, you can always order the great taste of Boston Pizza to your home. Call your local location or order online at bostonpizza.com. And great news for folks, especially out in St. Vital. Told you last week for the first time, the St. Anne's DQ is part of the Nick and Nikki DQ group is going to be open all year long, not closing this winter. And they'll also be able to uh, ship out those great burgers, fries, chicken fingers, and ice cream treats via some of the uh, skip DoorDash and other delivery apps over there. Of course, four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba from Nick and Nikki, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and now open year round. DQ St. Anne's. And if you do want to order a cake, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get you all set up and have it ready for you to pick up at your local Nick and Nicky DQ location. And hey, yeah, congratulations to our winners of the big marble race on Friday. What an, what an episode that was on the program. Of course, we do have some great co-branded Canadian club and Winnipeg sports talk hoodies and t-shirts to give away. We'll have another one coming up on Friday as we head into the weekend. And in the meantime, you can get the great taste of Canadian club at your local Manitoba liquor mart. And for folks that really do love rye, maybe something from the top shelf, limited, limited quantities still available of the Canadian club Chronicles, 44 year old whiskey, Less than 70 were available in Manitoba. So if you do want to pick that up before they're gone, I would suggest you do it quickly at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. All right, we will get to the cool bet lines a little bit later on. Uh, but Remo, just quickly wrapping up what Maurice had to say, um, a lot of discussion, Scott Billick was asking about, you know, moving Blake Wheeler up there. And, you know, the coach said, you know, this isn't really about getting him going because, and, and I, listen, I think he's he's straight in the fact that Wheeler has had a ton of opportunities as of late. Um, but I do think getting, you know, a bit of positive things happening for him on the score sheet, uh, as well as putting Mark Shifley in a new spot along with Nikolai Ehlers, hopefully benefiting both of those players, um, you know, gives some intrigue in these lines going into, uh, into tomorrow. Uh, some people will disagree. Uh, I tend to agree with the coach that I don't think there's a huge loss uh, in, in the line with moving Wheeler there as opposed to Sveshnikov. That being said, as the coach said, if it doesn't work, we'll find out pretty quickly and we'll be able to switch back. Yeah, and I think that's important to be like, hey, you know, we're making these lines, but like, doesn't have to be 
like this forever. Let's see. Let's see how it works. They switched after every period on Saturday night. I mean, <laughs> I think some people may be making a little too much out no, of the way they, things are looking coming out of the playoffs into the first period of no, tomorrow night. Don't you know that they put the lines out for practice on November 15th, and those are the lines every day until including the playoffs, oh, Huss? Come is on. This, it's like the trade deadline. Yeah, this, like, is, this it. is it. Game 15 of the season. You're so, fixed from there, from the rest of and I, I think that was an honest uh, an honest answer from Maurice. I mean, some people in chat were trying to figure out his tells when he crosses his arms or adjusts his glasses, depending on what he's saying. Oh, I yeah, some incredible analysis uh, of the yes. uh, of, of the uh, of some, media availability today in the chat. Really good body. Like, oh, his arms are crossed even tighter right now when he's talking about Blake Wheeler, which was a majority. I think those are valid questions, though, from Scott. Like, why do you... Your your top line is already going, as I said earlier on Money Puck, as for lines with minimum 100 minutes, their expected goals are you know fifth in the league. So um, why are you concerned about getting Wheeler going when you already have a line that's going as it is? You know Wheeler will get going on his own, He's, and he has had chances. He has played well. His his um, what his shot percentage numbers or sorry on ice. Uh, what a Corsi percentage is much better than it was last year when last year was, I think, bottom in the league. So he's healthy. I think he's going to turn around. He's had chances, hasn't buried them. Uh, I think it'll come, and it came last night from Mark Shifley. And I'm more excited about seeing that line together, Shifley and Ehlers with yeah. Cop. I think that's going to be a, a real strong line. And uh, and we'll see how the the Dubois-Connor line goes. I think they're more focused on keeping Dubois-Connor together and you know, rotating in the third. And, well, many people say yeah. this is just part of a master plan for Maurice to just go right back that. to Connor, Connor, Shafley, and Wheeler. Um, it could be. We'll, we'll wait and see. So this is what it's going to be for now. And look, if it doesn't work, you'll switch back. And I don't know, he said Wheeler's going to be going hard to the net, which I found understand. I don't recall him being a guy who does that, but maybe he's learning that, hey, you know, he's not as fast as he used to be. I mean, Wheeler used to, you know, rip down the boards and, you know, blow past defenders, but he's not exactly that player uh, anymore. And maybe he's going to have to adjust his game, you know, play a bit in uh, tighter to the net. So that's, again, things we're going to be watching. Uh, Can I just say this? I think so many of people in the chat and just general Jet fans, I don't understand why this is. They are just so eager to pour dirt on Blake Wheeler. Um, I'm not pouring dirt on him. I'm not I pouring mean, dirt on him, but yes, people want to pour dirt. Uh, no, no, there's a narrative. There's a narrative about this where people are so you know, they, it's just like you know, they need him to be down in the lineup. He can't get it done anymore, and I'm not there yet. Um, as I said, I think he's actually played quite well lately. I think he has generated a lot, and I think it's going to come for him. So, um, no, I'll still have time. You know, if Blake Wheeler ends up playing along with Adam Lowry, I think there's definitely some benefits to that, um, in it, but. I don't think that he's not capable of playing above that anymore. And I think that, you know, so far what we've seen from him this season indicates that. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I know a lot's been made out of these lines shifting and what happened on Saturday night. Um, but we'll have another opportunity to see what that they can do the way these look. And as the coach said, if it doesn't work, they'll find out pretty quickly. Um, and against a team like Edmonton, you better hope that these things are working because you know Edmonton's going to be bringing it offensively, led by Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, Remo, before we get to the cool bet lines for tonight in Monday Night Football, as well as in the National Hockey League, uh, pretty wild day of football last yesterday and last night. And speaking of 
you know, maybe don't pour dirt on um, Blake Wheeler just yet. Don't pour dirt on the Kansas City Chiefs yet because the Chiefs were back. Mahomes, 400 yards, five touchdowns. And uh, maybe just maybe there is a little bit left in the two-time defending AFC champs as we saw last night. Yeah, I thought Mahomes sucked. I thought everyone had figured him out. Uh, apparently He's not. Done. I thought he was done. But I thought the Chiefs weren't going to make the playoffs. They weren't going to get to the Super Bowl. But, I mean, you look at the standings with the Chargers losing. Uh, again, the Raiders, there's KC up on top. All of a sudden, AFC West. It all took was like a week. They're at the AFC West. And now the Chargers, uh, I watched that game against Minnesota. They, uh, they could, Their defense could not stop Minnesota on third down in that fourth quarter. Chance after chance. And, um, you know, I still think Justin Herbert's pretty good. Took him a bit to get going. But uh, the KC in, in Sunday Night Football, there they were yesterday putting the herd on. The Las Vegas Raiders, I did see Gary Lawless tweet out that he was in attendance for that one, Hustler. Yeah, Gary was there. He sent me a tweet. He was making me jealous that he was out there. I definitely want to go to Allegiant Stadium, preferably for a Chiefs-Raider game at some point in the future seasons. But that well, wasn't the case. Did get the chance to watch it after coming back home and then having to go out again because there was no power, but uh, certainly no power outage for the Chiefs offense, which had had some very pedestrian games in recent weeks. They uh, finally get a win. They actually cover a spread too, which hasn't happened very often in the last year. And um, bottom line is um, Chiefs are back. And, uh, and you know, I mean, what a huge week. You mentioned the ch- loss of the Chargers. The Broncos got pumped by the Eagles and a head-to-head matchup with the Raiders. Everyone else in the division lost. The Chiefs won, and as you mentioned, back in first place. Speaking of being back, a lot of people wondering what the hell happened to the Dallas Cowboys the week earlier when Denver came in and ran all over them after uh, with Dak Prescott back in the lineup. Um, the Cowboys reemerged, the team that we'd seen blowing out opponents earlier in the season, hanging a 40-point victory on the uh, Atlanta Falcons, who, yeah, man, they had that big win against the Saints. Didn't look very good yesterday, putting up a measly three points. And, you know, essentially, game being over into the second quarter, I think it was 36-3 to at halftime, Reem. Yeah, I was watching that game. I had uh, C.D. Lamb and, and Fantasy with a big one, Zeke Elliott with two touchdowns. Yeah, watch over the Cowboys. I don't know what happened last week. Uh, screwed me in my survivor pool. But they came back and uh, put the herd on the Falcons, who are shockingly four and five because they're much worse than that. They're again, they're point. I guess this last week will affect it. Their point differential pretty brutal. I know they had uh, Cordell Patterson; he was kind of banged up there. Uh, but yeah, the Falcons. I don't think they're very good, but there's that extra playoff spot in there, so they're not totally out of it. That NFC South got a bit muddied. Um, what Carolina did they what they won over Arizona? Cam Newton came back. The Saints, uh, Cam, they, they how lost. about that? Cam coming back, getting mm-hmm. touchdowns on the first two drives, and then they basically played PJ Walker for pretty much the rest of the game. Yeah. I don't know whether Matt Rule was uh mad that Cam was selfish and took his helmet off to do his I'm back, getting a 15 yard penalty after his first TD, but he went back out there, threw one as well. That's a big, big win for Carolina. And yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, with the loss of the Falcons. Carolina's in the mix. The Vikings now get to four and five. There's going to be a team right now in and around 500 that will get that seventh spot. So still a lot to play for in the NFC. Bills put up 45 on the Jets. You know, the Jets, these are their points allowed in the last four weeks. They gave up 54 to the Patriots. 
They gave up 31 in their 34-31 shocking win over the Bengals and then have given up 45 last week to the Colts and 45 yesterday to the Bills. And I'll be honest, when Robert Salek joined them as the head coach coming out of San Fran, I wasn't sure what to expect from the offense, but I thought the defense would be a lot better. Uh, apparently, they got a lot of work yet to do with the Jets because they are getting absolutely burned pretty much every time the opposition offense goes on the field. Yeah, is Mike, the thing uh, everyone get on Mike White bandwagon, is that over now? Mike White no longer the guy in in New York as well. So they're a bit of a mess. Uh, mess the he Jets. threw four picks yesterday. So, yeah. I mean, I think if you were a big Mike White guy going into the week and you might need to reevaluate it, uh, we'll see what happens when uh, Zach Wilson gets back in. But uh, they're playing for next year. Um, speaking of playing for next year, hard to believe, Remo, that Dan Campbell got a tie before a win as head coach of the Detroit Lions. But, like, if you're a Detroit Lions fan, are you pumped that you actually got a tie and – you won't be the first team ever to go 0-17 in league history? Uh, or you just can't believe that you didn't take advantage of some of the opportunities that you had to win the damn game in regulation or in overtime? Yeah, I mean, that and that game was throwing a bit of a curveball. Uh, Pittsburgh not having Ben Roethlisberger, and I know they're out, out a couple receivers, but a tie, ooh, yeah, and so... I mean, Detroit, good for them. They didn't lose, right? Uh, Coach Dan Campbell, more pretty you know, pumped about that one. But uh, Pittsburgh, 5 3 and 1 now. I think, you know, I don't think they've been that great. I don't think Roethlisberger has been particularly good. But um, I don't know, a tie. Hey, could, Manny, Fran, Manny Fran's in the chat. Manny Fran said the lock shot boosted parlay didn't work out. Well, it hasn't worked out yet, but it is alive heading into tonight, my friend. Uh, we got that boosted up to 400, plus 400. I had the Chiefs, check. Dusty had the Packers, check. We need the Rams to win. So uh, if anyone that did get in that before things started, uh, we don't even need them to cover. We just need the Rams to win the game tonight to uh, cash that boosted partner parley. Speaking of which, let's check the cool bet lines for this evening's game. A lot of support coming in for the Niners on this game, Remo, which I have to admit is a little surprising considering... How ugly they've been this year, especially at home. Uh, but for a game that was four, I'm now looking and seeing three and a half as the number for the Rams and plus money on the three and a half. So this could end up in and around three. Um, I'm not sure whether people are a little spooked at the way the Rams got pumped last week by the Titans. But I'll tell you what, there hasn't been a lot um, that the Niners have done this year that would give you confidence that they're going to get it done. But I do believe the Niners have won four straight against the Rams. So a uh, big opportunity for Sean McVay and Matt Stafford to come back and uh, erase the stench of their primetime loss last Sunday to the Titans. Yeah, that was a that was a rough one. That was really surprising. The Rams have been so good on offense. San Francisco, not as great. But I feel like when these old, I guess not old, these NFC West teams, no matter how good or how bad they are, even when the Rams were terrible, they would play their divisional rivals uh, pretty tight. I still think the Rams will will take this one. So uh, I really like Matt Stafford. They will be seeing Odell Beckham Jr. for the Rams. Is he in the lineup? I would have said no, but now Robert Woods is out. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they may have Odell go in for a few packages. I'm, you know, I think there would be a challenge to you know learning the playbook and everything like that in such a short period of time. But again, you know, there are some spots you can just say, hey, you know, get it out and uh, we'll chuck it up and catch the ball. So. 
Um, that will be an interesting story tonight. Rams and Niners, three and a half is the line in favor of the Rams on the road. You can bet that at Cool Bet Canada. If you haven't before, use the promo code WST. You get a 100% deposit up to $200 on your first deposit. Um, two games in the NHL, as we mentioned, the Blue Jackets, home favorites against Detroit, minus 122 for CBJ, plus 103 on the money line for the Detroit Red Wings. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, this would be actually a great game, Islanders Lightning, minus 137 for the Lightning at home and plus 117 for the New York Islanders. And uh, then, of course, tomorrow, Remus, a big, big day for the Winnipeg Jets and uh, a great day for sports watching because we'll have that game between Winnipeg and Edmonton from Canada Life Center downtown. Meanwhile, in Edmonton, it's Canada and Mexico as our quest to qualify for the World Cup continues. And we will have Stephen Sandor join us tomorrow on the program from Edmonton to set up the snow game between Canada and Mexico in World Cup qualifying. Yeah, Canada has plus 200 to win. Plus 225 is the draw. So uh, maybe the draw is the play in this one if you want to put a wager down. You know what? That actually is uh, quite interesting. I'm just kind of looking to see. What about the draw, no bet? So draw, it is no bet. So essentially, that's just a straight money line on uh, Canada plus 112, Mexico minus 137. Oh, okay. Yeah, there. So that like that's the one where if it's a tie, it's just a push. Um, and then the home draw away is, you know, has that opportunity. Oh, I, like I, that I one don't better. mind. Yeah, yeah. And and but to be honest, I wouldn't mind Canada plus one twelve and then maybe a sprinkle on the draw as well. Um, you know, you got the full totals on the three-way, you've got over under on goals as well, and a double chance, minus two hundred for Canada and a draw. So essentially you know, you'd win that bet if Mexico did not win in regulation. Uh, we'll certainly get to that tomorrow on the program. There's going to be a lot to unpack from um, this the entire round of qualifying. But the bottom line is right now, Mexico just lost the United States, Dos Acero, on Friday. And now they're coming into an environment where they probably have never seen, never mind played in before. And I cannot wait for it. Um, been a great show today. Thanks again to Jeff Hamilton for joining us and everyone for popping in on the YouTube. If you haven't already, folks, do us a favor. Give us the thumbs up if you don't mind and make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. We'll have some more giveaways later on this week. And of course, a big marble race on Friday. But tomorrow, it'll be all about Canada and Mexico in Edmonton and the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers here in Winnipeg. Hopefully getting dusty on the program at some point this week. And some Tommy Gazzola, Stephen Sandor on Canada, Mexico, and much, much more. Um, thanks again to all of our sponsors. Vita Health, Fresh Market, Culligan, Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, and of course the great taste of Canadian Club Whiskey and cool bet canada folks have a great night enjoy the monday nighter we'll be back tomorrow with a game day edition of winnipeg sports talk getting you ready for the jets and oilers and talking a lot of canada soccer as the mexicans are in town to play in the snow tomorrow in edmonton have a great night everyone we'll see you tomorrow one o'clock live on youtube and in the afternoon in your podcast feed right here on winnipeg sports talk daily have a great one. Oh my god Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.
Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 